I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. In part two of this series, JP Taxman shares with Chris his future goals and aspirations. Chris begins to identify some of the issues that he may run into and helps JP iron out his business model. So I've got a good idea for the business and kind of where you're at. So the next question would be, where do you want to take this? Like if you go two, three years ahead, um, what's, the, what's the organization look like? Like how many people, how many customers, what's, what's life like in a couple of years? Totally. Okay. So we're doing three years. Um, three years I'd like to have realistically probably five to 10 employees. Okay. Um, and starting in what I call phase 1.2 or sorry, not 1.2, 1.5, uh, which is expanding it to a point where I can kind of do this semi-decentralized manufacturing model where I can kind of uh, take people who have garage workshops, make the workshop a little bit better, invest in it, and then have, be able to kind of expand and have more people building stuff uh, and be able to move it throughout the country as I do that. So let's hone in on that a little bit. Yeah. Is it is does the company shift to more manufacturing custom built items, or is there still the services in the design arm, or like what what would most of those five or ten people be doing? Again, a lot of this can be figured out when I get there. But what I'm kind of playing with. Well, is, hold on. I want to stop yeah, you. We yeah, got to figure yeah. it out now because the 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 like the problem huh. is if yeah. you know. If you've got a, if you're going to figure it out when you get there, you don't know where you're going and it's hard to figure out the gap between there and here. So I think, you know, not just for you, but anyone listening here, like the, the exercise of looking a couple years out and figuring like, what's the business look like there is, is specifically to figure out, here's what we don't do today that we need to figure out how to do over the next two years. Or here's the people we don't have today that we've got to figure out, or here's the products that we're not selling or the, the margin we're not making, or like there's some difference between what you do today and, and in a few years. So, um, so that's why I'm harping on this. Don't feel like it's, it's no, you're uh, good, man. You're good. Uh, <laughs> you're good. I guess for me, like I say that in the realm of like, I have an idea of what I would like it to be, but I'm also want to be able to be malleable when I get to that point where like right now, what I, I think again, like to do in that regard is have it where we have kind of the designer that goes in and actually the designer and the builder kind of work together. So we have kind of the designer that goes in, does like the evaluation kind of concepts, what it should be helps with install, but then they take it. And then there's a kind of a builder that they work with very closely who actually does like the construction of it. Okay. Uh, Is the designer kind of the project manager as well? Like they're the lead contact. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be mainly the person in, in, um, communication with the client. What's the ratio? Like how many designers to builders? I think it'd likely have to be one to one. 
Okay. So they're or like maybe, teams. yeah, yeah. And is the builder really just fabricating the custom elements that the designer comes up with? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've got a design, design and builder teams. And uh -huh. so if you had 10 people, would that be five teams of two? Probably not. That'd probably be, let's see, four teams of two. And then I need at least two other people for like marketing, social media management. And then uh, maybe like finance or operations officer, something like that. Okay. So maybe it's like three to four teams that are in the field doing things. And then you've yeah. got another three to four people that are kind of the operations or admin side of the business. That's not yeah. good? Yeah. Okay. Um, these teams that are working together, your designer and builder, what's the average dollar amount of a project that they do together? If you don't know, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I'm just trying to give you a rough estimate. Probably between. So while you're, yeah, while you're, yeah, while you're calculating, uh, one tip I've used in the past, like you've done uh -huh. projects, right? Um, so when I was consulting or when I was working with any other company, and we went through this exercise, we'd get a yeah. spreadsheet, and you'd put every person that paid you money through the year. Yeah. Like every different customer that paid you money. And then the sum of the total money they paid you over that year, because you might do a few small projects or like you said, you might work with someone over three months or six months. And so you get it as if like somebody paid you that dollar amount for the whole year of service. And that shows you how, uh, like what comfort level you're at for charging, that's like your average package, mm. average all that out. And it shows you your average package. And so today, if you look at gotcha. like, okay, we have five people I just did these free drawers with and then consulted uh -huh. with them for a few hours. And then got this one massive project over here and a couple in the middle, your average project might be whatever, a few thousand dollars, 5,000, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then what we want to do here is say, okay, three years from now, what's the average project? Is it 20,000? Is it 50,000? Is it 250,000? Because the scope of what you think you're going to be doing in three years says a lot about the building blocks you need to put in place now to get there. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. So like if, if you want to be doing, you know, if your builder designer, yeah, yeah. if yeah. their average projects like 25 grand or something, you're going to be yeah. going after a different customer today than yeah. you would be if the average project was 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just had to like, you know, ballpark, throw a dart, where do you want to be in as like an average project size? We'll go right in the middle, we'll go about 35,000. Okay. So someone's going to hire your team to come in, assess their home, their environment. You're going to apply some minimalist techniques. You're going to custom fabricate some industrial solutions to, to, you know, to solve their, their layout problems or whatever it is. And they're going to write you on average, a check for 35,000 through over the course so, of the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so who is that customer that's going to write that check? Like, is it a, is it a certain size home? Is it a certain type of professional? Like who, mm -hmm. who's going to, who's going to budget 35 grand a year for this? Definitely going to be someone that's uh, probably living in like, is it the, is Greyhawk like super massive homes out in North Scottsdale? Oh yeah. So we're both in, in uh, the same area here. So that's yeah, yeah. example of a neighborhood. Um, uh -huh. so it's, 
So, so would you target like zip codes or neighborhoods or something that's, mm-hmm. that's got a, a me- median home value of X? Yeah, definitely. You know, at least like a million dollars or more. At that point, okay. it's probably five to six million or more. And, and people that are in those homes, is, is this a project that they do when they first move in? Is it a project they do when their home is of a certain age? Like, how do you think about where, where is that customer in the life cycle of the home? I think for me, it's likely ideal if they've been living there for a while, you know, a minimal a year, a little bit longer, probably because there's more stuff. There's more like the, the, the problem is more of an issue when they first move in, they kind of have things where they want it. And then it like, starts to degrade over time a little bit yeah, uh, yeah. and they accumulate more, like they maybe got rid of some stuff in the move and they accumulate all that stuff. So I can help them like figure out good places to have to go or how to get rid of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So definitely if they've lived in a little bit longer, it's better. Uh, if they've just moved in also doable, but I think, cause then we can get it, you know, done from the start and that stuff's already like off. And then we build something just perfect for there. So they can always have it ideal. Um, but the, definitely the reason I ask, the reason I ask is, you know, we've, so we've got your package price. We've got your ideal customer, the zip codes or neighborhoods they live in. And then the reason the life cycle is important because that's what dictates your messaging. So if you're going to start doing marketing to these people, it's a totally different thing to say, you've just moved into this new construction neighborhood. Don't take all the builder upgrades. We can do it cheaper or whatever. That's, that's like Mm -hmm. a different proposition than saying you've been in your house for 10 years. It's time for an upgrade. You know, like that's different messaging. And I feel like if you can pick Mm -hmm. one of the two, you'd be way more referable because the people that are all moving into new houses and maybe their, their families are growing. That's a different audience than the people that are, have been in their home a while. They probably have older kids. So can you see how that's like a different group? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely be the second one in that regard. Okay. So they've been in their, they've been in their house for a while. They're, they're ready to change something up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So now we've narrowed in on the, the package, the team size, kind of how you deliver it, who you're trying to target. So the next thing is like, uh, how do you differentiate against other competitors? So, so I don't, I don't know if, if competitors would be in other interior interior design type firms, or if it would be con general contractors, like who do you come up against when someone is wanting to stroke a 35 K check for improving their house? I, I have kind of slight competitors in a couple, couple different areas, but I kind of am in a slightly new vertical, um, where, um, so like organizers are kind of competitors okay. and then remodelers can be competitors to an extent, but again, they're remodelers for the most part are just taking like a kitchen apart and then putting all in an all new cabinetry. And sometimes they are doing more like where they're like putting in, they're thinking more about like how silverware should go in drawers and doing a little bit more there, which is good. Um, but they're only like, they'll typically only focus on that area. And then we can go in and, and help even add to that. Or like, even in like a kitchen, like we can help make your sink, the way you clean your dishes more efficient in certain ways by adding on slight bits that they might not have thought of. Uh, so, but I'd say that's one potential one. And then 
Not so much interior designers. We, I think interior designers are a good, uh, again, complement and partner for us. Uh, cause we can kind of make things that help make their beautiful, like they do really good job of just making a room look really nice. And then we yeah. can come in and kind of add on that and add on, like, we're kind of like the UX to the UI of interior designers, right? They're more the UI, we're kind of UX. So they make it look really nice yeah. and we make it function really well and intuitively. So it's, it's so more, it's, yeah. it seems more like, uh, like functional engineering or, I don't know. There's there's something technical about what you're doing. That's that's more more is it more science or art? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's more science. <laughs> science. So so is there is, is there a is there like a a, a target business that or a, a customer that you know wants wants their home laid out to be more like you know feng feng shui or <laughs> that that like is after that kind of thing that that you've bumped into? Yeah. I've met a couple people that, um, that really kind of resonate with the message. And I think the trick there is they kind of think they have it figured out to a point. Like a lot of people really into like home automation, get excited about it. A lot of people, cause we do, we'll like use that stuff if necessary in the right areas. Um, but it's, there, there are people who like really care about organization, having their home really functioning well. Um, who I think we can add on to, I think a lot of it too, is helping people who don't understand that, understand it. And then once they get it, they'll become obsessed with it. Cause once you get it, you're like, Oh, I can't believe I was living without this for so long. And then when it's like something that was frustrating them for years, uh, is now solved and not an issue, right? It brings in that sense of relief, which is what we're going for, which is why I named it the company up relief. So let me let me share uh, an example. When I was doing the consulting, and yeah. I my my flagship kind of thing was this small consulting project. I'd come in for one day at a smaller company, three days at a bigger company, and the point of it was to provide some of that relief and guidance about here's all the things you could do. Here's what's wrong with your with the business. Here's where the bottlenecks are. Here's what the the kind of feedback I've collectively gotten from everyone. And that was very often a gateway to a lot more work. Um, it sounds like your mm-hmm. your gateway is this that you've been doing this um, free drawer thing. But to me, that sounds like more if you were a organizer. But if the true value of what you're doing is the the functional design and UX of someone's house, mm-hmm. it seems like you'd want to partner with organizers and designers and general contractors and realtors and and have this brand to be like a you know functional layout home consultant that we come in, here's this like really accessible package. We're going to analyze your space, provide some recommendations, and then you can either continue to work with us and we, we've got custom fabrication, we've got these bigger projects, or you can just take these recommendations and there's a few actionable tips that you, you've got like immediate value. Um, and the, the reason I'm, I'm suggesting mm-hmm. that is that if, if you're going um, to have teams of people that are going into houses, it it's hard if you've got this wide menu of services because 
the organizers could feel like you're competing with them and the designers can feel like you're competing with them and the contractors feel like you're competing with them. And if you can come up with something that's non-competitive so that you're more of a partner with them, Mm -hmm. then they become a a source of leads and referrals. And that can be like a a flywheel, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I've been trying to work on is getting in contact with and building those partnerships. Like I'm talking to a lot of real estate agents, a couple of interior designers and trying to build and develop those relationships to make those partnerships happen. And yeah, yeah, I think I could just do a better job of explaining how well I am a compliment to their business. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I see it and I, and just talking with you, I get that you're, you've got this, this engineering kind of mind and you're more technical and you can, you know, when you say it's like UX for your house, that instantly mm-hmm. resonates with me because I know what that is. I don't know if the average, yeah, that's know, why I don't uh, typically customer, use that. Yeah. 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 But there's, there's a more approachable way to say that, that makes yeah. you differentiated from all those other things, you know, people that I just mentioned. And I think that's, that's what unlocks this business. Uh-huh. Because I've never heard of that before. I've never, like, that seems very new to me to say, uh-huh. I'm going to look at your space plan. Uh, I'm going to spend 20 minutes in your house taking pictures. And I'm going to return all these suggestions about how to save you time, you know, reduce the steps of moving around your house, lay out certain things differently. Like, that's kind of mind blowing. But I didn't understand that necessarily for the first half hour of our conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, that's like, uh-huh. I would figure out what that thing is uh-huh. and craft, turn it into the smallest pack, bite-sized package that you can make to give people that sense of like, oh my gosh, this is, I've never heard of this. This is cool. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you want to connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.